2: You want opinions about books? We've got them.
0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode 194. Today we are going to be talking about screen adaptations of YA lit books. Some of our favorite picks in this category. Before we get started, we wanted to remind you that we have a collection of merch available on TeePublic. You can access that by going to www.unabridgedpod.com and clicking on the support us tab and head over to our TeePublic store to get some awesome Unabridged merch and also some funny literary quotes. That we have had over the years as we've been doing the podcast. So definitely check that out. Let's start today the way we always start with our book is check in. Ashley, what are you reading today? So one of the books I'm
1: reading is Rachel Griffin's The Nature of Witches. This one just came out in June. So it's a new release from the summer. And this is the story of Clara, who is an ever-witch. She is at a school that is for witches and all of the students in the school and the witches in the larger community have the ability to help with weather events and so she's in school to help craft that ability but all the other students are seasonal so that means that if they're a spring witch then their ability is strongest in the spring. And so they can do a lot with like storms and things like that. But then when summer comes, they still have some power, but it's much, much weaker. And the reason Clara is called an Everwitch is because her abilities last and change from season to season. So she is the only one who has this ability to have full power essentially all year. And as in our real world, the larger community is not taking care of the environment in great ways. And so there are a lot of rather cataclysmic weather events that are happening. And so the role of the witches is becoming more and more important as they help to stabilize these unexpected weather events that are occurring and that are causing floods and fires and things like that that can really decimate a community. And so the witch's role is really important, and she has this special talent. However, her power also has, this kind of is unpacked as the story goes on, but her power has targeted essentially the people that she loves. And so she has lost people, like people in her life have died, connected to this power that she has. So she, in a lot of ways, wants to not have her power at all anymore. And yet this is coming at a time when the world needs people with her exact skill set to be able to help the community. And so there's a lot of tension for her with that. And the teachers at her school are desperate to help her harness her power so that she can use it effectively and be able to help with these weather events where she would be such a vital asset. Early on as she is finding her way, There is a student who is brought in from another school, and his talent, his name's Sang, and his talent is botany, and he can do all these really amazing things with the growth of flowers and of vegetation, and his other ability is he has a very calming power, And so they're hoping that he will be able to partner with her so that the anxiety that she feels when she's trying to cast and to help with these really hard situations, that he'll be able to help her do that. And so a lot of the beginning of the story is, is them training and working to help her both contain, but also use her power because she is so, has so much trepidation that she doesn't want to use it. So it, it's a really interesting story. And I've, feel for her as she is trying to figure out what to do and how to manage this unique situation that she's in. She feels really lonely, and there are some awful things that have happened and that happen that are related to her struggle. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really interested in it. I have seen such great reviews of this one, and I am often all here for all things witchy. I really love stories that explore the story of witches and that build those worlds where they're learning to use powers in interesting ways. And so that's why it caught my attention. And so far, so good. So that is Rachel Griffin's The Nature of Witches.
2: That sounds really interesting. I love witchy stories, too. So (laughs) I'm adding that to my TBR. (laughs) I will say my TBR is endless. So I always feel like there's a promise inherent there. And you know, it could be 10 years. But anyway, it will be on (laughs) there's so many books so little time. That's right. Jen, what are you reading? So I am reading, this is actually a reread for me, Eric Schlosser's Fast Food Nation, The Dark Side of the All-American Meal. I read this back, I just checked on Goodreads in 2012. So it has been a while, but I'm reading this for school. I teach at a governor school that has an environmental science focus. And one of the things that we did this past year was a fast food project that asked students to consider the marketing of fast food as one component. And then also the agricultural impact of fast food. That's one thing, one of the teachers is an ag teacher. And so she really studies the agricultural impacts of fast food. And so reading it through that lens is really fascinating. I'm not very far in it. I'm sort of doing a chapter here and there. It is a book that you can dip in and out of. But Schlosser is analyzing both the way that, The United States' shifts have affected the fast food industry and the way, even more powerfully, that the fast food industry has shaped a lot of communities in the United States. And some of it is quite insidious and really disturbing. But it is definitely fascinating. And I'm sort of looking for a chapter that I can use with my students. So I'm definitely reading it with a different lens than I did the first time. It is a really well-done read. He goes into... The first few chapters are about the history of fast food, how everything got started, the way it sort of became an industry instead of standalone fast food restaurants, the way parts of it are mimicking industrialization. And I know that eventually he gets into the impact it's had on nutrition. So I'm sort of waiting for those chapters. Those are the ones that hit me hardest the first time through that I really remembered. So a lot of this... I remember vaguely, but it's always interesting to reread nonfiction, particularly when when your lens has shifted. The first time through, I was just reading it for enjoyment. And then again, this time I'm looking at it from a teaching perspective. So, but it's really fascinating. It is very disturbing. And yeah, I'm learning a lot this time around.
0: Yeah, that sounds great, Jen. Uh, It reminds me of a book,
2: The Omnivore's
0: Dilemma, that I am slowly reading through, basically talking about how... The industrialization of our food sources has degraded our nutrition. I mean, it's not talking specifically about fast food, but I think it all kind of goes hand in hand. So
2: I I would Mm -hmm. be very interested to read that one. I think you would find it to be really interesting. So
0: Sarah, what are you reading? I just started Laura Dave's The Last Thing He Told Me. I've been seeing this everywhere, and it sounded so compelling. I mean, I just started it. I'm only a couple chapters in, but I, so far, I'm hooked. I, it's It seems like it's going to be one that is just going to grab me and make me want to read and turn the pages as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. So the, the premise is that the main character she has found her husband Owen um the main character's name is Hannah and she has she met this guy Owen and they dated a year and then they've been married for a year and she thinks he's the love of her life and one day she is at her house and- with her stepdaughter Owen's daughter and this young girl who's 12 around 12 knocks on her door and hands her this piece of yellow paper from that has her husband's handwriting on it that says Hannah, her name. And the girl says that her husband, that Owen had given it to her in the hall at school and said, please give this to Hannah. And that he barely, he barely stopped. He just shoved it in her hands, but he gave her 20 bucks to do it. So she brings the paper to her. And when Hannah opens it, it only says two words. And the words are protect her. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I am. I mean, like that happens in the very first chapter and then I assume we're going to find out more and more as it goes, but I can tell you one thing, I mean, it's caught me from the beginning and I can't wait to read the rest. So the kind of tagline for it is a gripping mystery about a woman who thinks she's found the love of her life until he disappears. So Mm. so we'll see what happens, but I'm excited to see where it goes. So that is Laura Dave's, the last thing he told me.
2: I've been seeing that one everywhere on bookstagram but oddly I did not know what it was about. <laughs> so that sounds really really good. <laughs> okay
0: so I think we are ready to start our main discussion and we are going to just talk about some of the YA adaptations that we've discussed here on the pod and we if you have listened Some of us enjoy these more than others, but we do enjoy watching and discussing with each other adaptations and the way that the film adaptations differ from the books and all that. So I'm excited to get started. Does anybody have a favorite adaptation that we've covered so far that you want to kick us off with?
1: I think I would like to shout out the To All the Boys series those adaptations, I absolutely love all of all three of those. So we did adaptations for the first one and the last one but I also loved the middle and I just thought all three of them were really, really fun and just great. I, I loved that series. We've talked before about all the reasons why I love that series, but I just think that Jenny Han does such a phenomenal job bringing Lara Jean to life and showing her and her family and the ways that she is growing up and the love that she feels for Peter, but also how she's trying to find her way. And all of that just really worked for me. So yeah, I would shout that series out because I absolutely love both the books and all three of the adaptations I thought were fantastic and I think I shared when we recorded about them but my life partner watched them too and he enjoyed them as well so I think that is a good (laughs) that is a good testament to the fact that they are well done because YA romance is not his go-to so Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) I have one I'm going to share too, but I just wanted to remind you all if you're doing the Unabridged Pod Reading Challenge, that these are great episodes that you can listen for ideas. This episode could help you pick some books and their accompanying adaptations, and that would take care of both the category and the bonus category in our reading challenge. So, yes, you can let us know if you. Are working on that.
1: And as we shared in our updates mid-year for reading challenge check-in, it feels great to check off multiple categories on a reading challenge. So <laughs> that's
2: always a win. So the one I want to share is actually one of our more recent episodes, Looking for Alaska, and that's a series on Hulu. We only talked about the pilot, which I think is brilliant, but I have watched the entire series and I just could not recommend that adaptation more. I love the John. Green Book. But as I said in the episode, that's not my favorite John Green Book. And I think the adaptation in some way takes the strengths of the book and emphasizes those even more and elevates the source material. I think the casting in that series is amazing. I think it emphasizes some issues of race and class that aren't as big a part of the book that I think made it really seem updated, even though technically it is historical fiction, historical movie anyway, but (laughs) I really could not recommend that limited series more. So looking for Alaska, the John Green book is his first book, and then you can check out the adaptation as well.
0: What about you, Sarah? It makes me very depressed that
2: we're calling that historical fiction. I know. (laughs) I'm still trying to
0: get over that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Technically, it definitely is. However, and the soundtrack is so well chosen to emphasize that time, which to me feels like yesterday, but just emphasizes how far I am <laughs> from those days and that music. But Sarah, what what about you? What's one of your favorites?
0: Well, <laughs> I know that my neither of my counterparts are going to agree with me on this, but I really <laughs> liked the I know what adaptation.
1: Like- <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I looked at the long list and I was like I don't know what she's gonna
0: say. So I really liked the adaptation of Five Feet Apart. Also along with that I really like the adaptation of The Fault in Our Stars by John Green which we have not covered on the podcast but we have talked at length about it and I think even when we covered Five Feet Apart which is all which I'm sure Ashley and Jen are happy is in our vault but we did cover it way back when. (laughs) And we didn't agree. This is actually one of the rare times that we did not agree agree as much on the the book nor the adaptation. But I really love this adaptation. I love the casting. I really like Cole Sprouse, so I thought he made a great Will. And I thought I just thought the casting was really good in that movie. And I love the book. I I'm always here for emotional manipulation and. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> Good cry, a good good cry during a book more even than a than a movie. I I, I mean, I, it takes a lot more to make me actually shed a tear in a book versus like a movie. But I did both in the adaptation Four or Five Feet Apart, and also for The Fault in Our Stars. And I just I really like these stories. I think back then it was really new to cover, especially chronic illness and be living with something that has you in and out of the hospital and really limits what you can like the connections you can make in terms of touching. And I thought that was all real. I felt like I learned a lot and I just, I really liked it and I like that I am all about the star crossed lovers trope, which I know that Ashley and Jen are not, but I, I just really like it. And I just thought <laughs> it was really sweet and I just thought the acting was really good. And I, I just liked it. I liked the book and I liked the adaptation of Five Feet Apart.
1: I will say that I I did learn a lot and I really liked the premise of the book. I thought that all of that was really well represented and helped me understand a lot more about the struggles of living with cystic fibrosis. So that part I really enjoyed. (laughs) And I do love star-crossed lovers sometimes, but, and I did (laughs) cry a lot in both the book and the film. But but there were times that I wanted to not be crying, but knew that I had been coaxed to crying. (laughs) Yes. Although, again, like you said, Sarah, I mean, the reality of the illness is tragic and heartbreaking. And I think that part is very well represented. And so I think that emotional component resonated for me, but there were other yeah. times where there were choices made that I felt could have been avoided. But but you know again are still believable within the realm of what teenagers want to do and feel that they should be able to do. And I think that part emphasized the difficulty of living with that
2: kind of illness. Also, I will say I love *The Fault in Our Stars* both the book and the adaptation, and that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> 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 I, know, was like, I think this is, a lo- this is a love
0: actually thing where we're never going to agree <laughs> <No>. <laughs> i did the, i think the fault in our stars i think that i mean we I, I feel like we talk about john green all the time but he has a way in which he is able to write teenagers authentically and i i didn't feel emotional as emotionally manipulated and like i didn't feel like there were things done just to cause a reaction in The Fault in Our Stars. I just Mm -hmm. felt like it was an authentic progression. And I thought the movie was really well adapted too. I really, I bought it. I bought all of it. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the
2: actors did a really good job. So I do agree that that
0: is, it is a better adaptation, but I still really liked Five Feet Apart.
2: I should shout out. So um, you said that the- Episodes are in the vault. You can still get those on our website, unabridgedpod.com. So, even though you can't listen to them in Apple Podcasts because they're just too old, you can find all of these things in unabridgedpod.com and listen there. So, if you want to know, if you want to hear all about our disagreements, you can check that <laughs> out. I would also like to say I really
0: enjoyed the Dumplin um, adaptation. I, I, I like the book better, but I thought that the Dumplin adaptation was pretty good. I like that one too.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's on Netflix.
2: Yeah. She just released the third book in that series. Julie Murphy did. I cannot wait to read. It's pumpkin. I think I cannot wait to read it. Another one. I just want to shout out, which again is in the vault, but you can get to it on our website is the hate you give. And I think I will never get tired of talking about that book. And I thought that our conversation about that adaptation is one of my favorites. It's one of the reasons I wanted to keep doing these. It's one of the first, it may be the first one that we did. And for that one, we actually have an episode about the book and then a separate episode about the adaptation. And we had a lot to say about both. And yeah, I think Angie Thomas is brilliant. And I thought the choices, we had a really good time talking about the choices that they made in the adaptation. We didn't agree with all of them, but I thought it was great fodder for a conversation.
0: Yeah, the hate you give one was another one where we all were sobbing in the theater.
2: <laughs> yes, it was. Absolutely.
0: So, we've had a lot of those. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do we pick so many sad things?
1: <laughs> I know, when, <laughs> That's where that's the part that that's not that's not my thing. I don't like to mm-hmm. emote in front of other people. <laughs> in large ways and those films definitely did that for me so (laughs) it's not my favorite that's why when we went to five feet apart I was like I paid kind of a lot for this so that I could sit here in a public space with my friends and sob somewhat uncontrollably. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I find that cathartic. (laughs) Yes I I, in my mind, I can understand that, but <laughs> but I I do not like the feeling of
2: it. So maybe it's the public catharsis. The private catharsis is okay. The public catharsis is not Ashley's favorite. Yes,
1: maybe we'll we'll have to try it at one of our homes and report back if that makes a difference. <laughs> Another one I wanted to mention is Nicola Yoon's The Sun is Also a Star. I really enjoyed that. I definitely enjoyed the book better but which is often true with adaptations, but I thought that the adaptation was really well done as well and conveyed a lot of what I thought was really powerful in the book. So I, I really enjoyed that one too. That was 75, That episode 75 that we talked about that one. And I know that with Nicola Yoon, we all can vouch for the fact that All of her books are just great reads and Everything Everything is also adapted. So we don't have an episode to talk about that one, but it's another one that's fascinating to look at the adaptation compared to the book.
2: So before we move on, I do just want to shout out Mismatched, which is an adaptation of When Dumple Met Rishi. And this one was really interesting. So Mismatched is a series. Only the first season has been released. And there's some question as to whether there will be a season two. But I thought it was really interesting, the changes that were made to that. So first of all, When Dumple Met Rishi is set in the United States, Mismatched is set in India. So that was a huge change. The series is also in Hindi. So I watched it with subtitles. I will say for whatever reason, my Netflix defaulted to voiceover, which I did not like. So I opted for the subtitles. And they also, we only talked about the pilot, but later in season one, they made some huge plot changes from when Dimple Dimple met Rishi. So I think that's a really interesting one to see a standalone book what changes they make to make it an ongoing series and to kind of have that cliffhanger and to spin out the plot a little more. But I really liked the series. I thought it was great. Just quite, quite different.
0: So are there any other adaptations you want to shout out or that we, maybe that we haven't covered that, that you think that it's worth mentioning?
1: So one that I have not seen yet, but I'm super excited to watch is the Shadow and Bone adaptation. I love the Grishaverse and I absolutely love her duology, Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom. And so I am, I haven't read the most recent of her works. So there would be a little bit, I think that I haven't read as far as characters involved but i cannot wait to watch that and plan to do so very soon so i will report back
2: (laughs) yeah those are actually i watched those my husband and i both watched those and he has not read any of the books but we loved the adaptation it is so well done it's beautiful And it does a great job of weaving together the Shadow and Bone trilogy and the Six of Crows duology. Actually, you're good without King of Scars. That's not actually incorporated. Oh, good. That was part of why I hadn't
1: started because I hadn't confirmed that. And I, I do plan to read those. So then I was a little reluctant to,
2: yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed them. I do think there was a lot of conversation when they were released about the treatment of racism. And so I think that's worth looking into. But I think... I I really appreciated the adaptation. I thought it was great. Oh, and another one. I've only watched the pilot of Panic, but I'm looking forward to that series. That's based on the Lauren Oliver standalone book. And I'm really excited to finish that season.
0: One that I have not read the books, but I'm looking forward to the third season is You. It's based on Carolyn Kepnes' book series. I, like I said, I haven't read the books just... I just haven't, but the series on Netflix is so compelling and I cannot wait for season three to come out. I binged the first two seasons while we were in quarantine and I thought they were great. So twisty. So I'm excited for season three to come out. I think it's coming out this year. So have
2: either of you watched
0: that? Mm -mm.
2: I watched the first season uh, and I really liked it. I read the book as well. And my husband watched season two, and really liked it. And he's read all the books. So I've only read and watched the first. But yeah, I liked it. It's kind of an unpleasant feeling, because you're in the mind of this deeply unpleasant person. And so while I liked it and did find it to be compelling, I was okay not watching season two, but Kirk really enjoyed it. So
0: it's all—it's that thing, like, what am I rooting for here, you know? Because uh, yeah. it's, you know, so it's—I mean, I would—I enjoy that kind of thing. I, so I enjoyed it, but—but but yeah, it, I can see where it would be unsettling for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a post on the blog. We can link it in the show notes of different YA fantasy adaptations. So I don't want to go over those. I wrote about each of them, but. I'm a sucker for an adaptation and I love YA fantasy. So I have some that are based on comic book series or graphic novel series and others that are just based on YA novels and series that I recommend.
0: I think that it's apparent that we enjoy, at least enjoy discussing adaptations and the differences between the book and the film adaptations. Before we leave, I also wanted to just mention our, one of our latest, Book to screen adaptation episodes. That is Moxie. We actually we read the book for our buddy read, and then we watched the adaptation and discussed it. And it was it, I, the conversation was great. Everyone in the buddy read seemed to really enjoy the experience of reading the book and discussing its adaptation. So. If you're looking for a a YA book that's different than a lot of other YA adaptations, that would be a good one to check out. And then you can check out episode 179 and hear our discussion on the adaptation. Today we are going to end the way we end every episode with Give Me One. Today's Give Me One is the thing you like to do with friends. Ashley, do you want to get started? Sure. So, So I feel pretty removed from this at the moment
1: because we had quarantined for such a long time and now i am overseas and so <laughs> i'm like what did we do in the before era when we got together a lot but something i really enjoy is being able to just like walk into places and check out bookstores and other shops with friends so jen sarah and i went to Charlottesville and did the festival of the book there. And that kind of thing is really fun for me. They have a great area where you can walk and just browse. And I think that's a really fun thing to
2: do with friends.
0: That's a great one.
2: Jen, what about you? So I'm going to pick one that is very appropriate for this episode. I love to go to the movies with friends. So I love to go grab some dinner and then head to the movies and then have some time to chat about what we thought. It feels like a mini version of a book club. And yeah, so I think that's really fun. What about you, Sarah?
0: Well, I really like hosting. So I like to have friends over for I love to cook for my friends and hang out and have drinks and just chill so that the kids can play. And then also the adults can have a nice time. So I I enjoy hosting my friends at my home. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our screen adaptations episode. If you have any favorite YA Lit adaptations that you want to talk about or discuss, definitely hit us up on social media or email us. We'd love to talk to you about them. And if you have any recommendations that we need to watch, we would love to hear those too. Thanks for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them.
1: You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for a list of ways to support us.
2: We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone who composed our theme music Strings of Light and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.